The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. Thanks and welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. Our topic today, one of the Confederacy's last ironclad ships a ship that spent a century at the bottom of the Noose River in North Carolina and then 50 years being abused above water, but today has finally found a home. We'll be talking with Sarah Risty Davis, site manager of the CSS Noose Civil War Interpretive Center, today on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu Edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. 
And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, uh, here for the fourth time this season, our tenth season of Civil War Talk Radio with Voice America. And uh, four times now I've had an opportunity to figure out uh, how to work with the, the excellent new introductions. And I'm getting a little closer each week to getting it completely right. But once again, I uh, panic and think, wait, is that music for me? Are they good? Should I go? And eventually we'll get it completely right and it'll be just like big time professional radio. But until then, we will continue coming to you from the third floor of the Brewster building where I'm sitting right now on a beautiful Wednesday evening in 2013 uh, on the campus of East Carolina University, but not speaking for the university or representing it or the state of North Carolina or anyone else. I know my guest likewise will only speak for herself this evening and thus please don't sue us for anything we say. The uh, legal matters out of the way, we will uh, look forward uh, to a uh, excellent fall season of shows, all kinds of new uh, folks coming up. We've got in the weeks ahead, Stephen Rammeld talking about discipline in the Union Army, and he's written a new book that came out uh, so recently our library doesn't have it yet. Uh, we'll talk about that one too. We've got Eric Jacobson on the Battle of Franklin, Philip Lee uh, on Sam Watkins' famous memoir, Company H, a sideshow of the big show. And Alan Gelzo on the Battle of Gettysburg. Then we've got more guests lined up for November and December. We'll get to those. So lots going on here at Civil War Talk Radio. I was sitting here this evening uh, getting ready for the show, looking at uh, some information on the topic and, and preparing myself when the phone rang and I got a, a call from uh, someone who, who introduced himself and began talking rapidly without really letting me get a word in about all he could do to manage my uh, social media networking uh, to uh, take the content I provide and turn it into large numbers of listeners or viewers or something. And I, I felt bad because he was doing such a good sales job. It was hard to finally stop and interrupt and say, I'm not doing the show in order to increase sales of a product. I don't have a product. I have some books, but you know, you can buy the books or not. It's, uh, it, it's not why I'm doing the show. And it was, I felt bad because he'd done such a good job selling me. And for only, I won't tell you how many thousands of dollars, uh, he could provide me with all kinds of services to expand the reach of this show. Uh, Voice America actually does invest and help uh, in increase the reach of the show, and I appreciate everything they do. But I don't think there are a lot of shows like this that exist just to talk about something interesting, uh, not to uh, massage the host's ego, beyond reminding you that I do have a degree from Harvard University, and uh, not to make money uh, or to rant about politics, just to provide what I hope is an interesting and entertaining service. It entertains and interests me at least every week, and I hope it does you, to learn more about uh, the American Civil War. You can learn more about the show before we get uh, directly into it, of course, by going to the 
uh, our auxiliary website, www.impedimentsofwar.org, which uh, will tell you what's going on on the show, who's coming on, who's been on the show, and has links to the past shows, so you can listen to them at your leisure. So, getting back to tonight's topic, I got a news item sent uh, this afternoon from our administrator down at the Maritime Studies Program here at East Carolina University, that the Naval Historical Foundation has created something called the Commodore Dudley W. Knox Naval History Lifetime Achievement Award. And the first three recipients uh, were James Bradford, Phil Lundberg, and Dr. William Still. Uh, Bill Still is known to Civil War uh, aficionados, of course, is the author of Iron Afloat, uh, a, a book about Confederate ironclads that ties in very much with what we're discussing this evening. And he is also the founder of the uh, Maritime Studies program here at East Carolina University, where he taught for many years. Uh, I keep badgering him about appearing on the show so we can talk about uh, uh, Confederate ironclads and other Civil War-related naval topics, and he keeps promising to do it, and, and uh, then he goes off to Hawaii or does something interesting, and, and I have a hard time getting hold of him. But it's it's my fault, not his. We'll get him on sooner or later. So Confederate ironclads are in the news, or at least an author uh, is, and for the last 20 years, in one fashion or another, the CSS noose ironclad, uh, or at least its remains, have been in the news here in North Carolina. And we'll find out about that from our guest tonight. Uh, she is Sarah Risty Davis. She is the site manager at the CSS News Civil War Interpretive Center. Uh, Ms. Risty Davis, are you there? Yes, good evening. Good evening. Uh, welcome. Uh, can we go by first names? I'm embarrassed to admit I have not come by your place to Oh, introduce myself. Certainly. <laughs> uh, call me Jerry, then, please. The uh, uh, you you there, there's where to start. So many interesting questions to ask. Let's start with the first one. Where is the Civil War uh, Interpretive Center, the News Interpretive Center, for our listeners who are scattered across the globe? Sure. Well, first, let me thank you so much for allowing me on your show to talk about this interesting slice of history in our new museum. Um, we are located on Queen Street in downtown Kinston. Uh, 100 North Queen is our, our physical address. And um, we've moved uh, the ship from Vernon Avenue for those who have visited the ship in the past. And eventually DOT will catch up with us and adjust those signs. Um, but her permanent home is in the heart of downtown Kinston on Queen Street. And, Quinn, and, and Kinston is, is not too far from where I'm sitting here in Greenville in eastern North Carolina. Uh, so uh, it gives me even less excuse for not having come by to see it yet. Uh, but I'll do that soon. Sure. Let me ask you about you. Before we talk about the, the, the news, um, I, I teach public history here, and students are always curious about how one gets started and how one gets to do something as interesting as oversee the uh, the uh, artifacts and remains of, of a Civil War ironclad. Uh, what was your background uh, in school and training to, that got you to where you are today? I was um, an undergrad 
history major at UNC Wilmington, uh, so we can blame Dr. Fonville for my knowledge or lack thereof of the Civil War. Uh, I went overseas to Scotland um, to do my master's in museum and gallery studies at the University of St. Andrews, and I stuck around and um, did my Ph.D. in art history there. Um, and I came back to the States and got a job at um, Somerset Place, which is another state historic site that interprets uh, plantation life for both freed and enslaved. And I am recently transferred to the Noose and have been there since, oh, the new year. And it's been a steep learning curve for me. I'm not a Civil War military historian by training, so I've been trying to very quickly learn a lot of history uh, about Kinston and, and the battles there. That's kind of a brief overview of, of me. Well, that that's uh, it, it's very interesting because, again, it, it's it's always a challenge uh, in any educational or cultural field to to find a way to do something that you want to do. And obviously, if if you studied uh, history in in museum uh, course of study in museums, then you're you're in the right place. But this was not. Uh, but the Civil War was not what drew you to this. Uh, so, so you're you're coming at it fresh. Um, what ab- what about um, uh, the the center itself? Uh, you've been there, you say, since the the new year. How how are things looking there right now? The the museum is coming along beautifully. Um, there has been a lot of delays as with anything state does in terms of building, there there seems to be a lot of checks and balances, and so things move at times very frustratingly slow. But we are recently open uh, for behind-the-scenes tours. And so the ship has been in place for well over a year, and she's acclimated to her new home. And what we are currently offering is a, a tour uh, to see the ship, to see the new building, to see the temporary displays, and to also get a firsthand uh, idea of, of what a museum does when it's building a $3.5 million museum. So to see the displays uh, that are going to be permanently installed being built. And I hope the public enjoys seeing that angle of our museum. So the the center right now is is not officially fully open. We'll we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. Um, the uh, this is such an interesting topic that I'm really sort of uh, trying to figure out which angle to approach next. Um, for those who are in the this part of the country in uh, eastern North Carolina or, or the eastern seaboard have driven up and down I-95 and maybe decided to make a detour over to Kinston to see the remains of the ironclad. Um, some people confuse what you have with the uh, the second noose or, or the, the CSS noose uh, 2, which, as I understand, is, is also something I've not actually seen, but I believe is a, a full-size replica of 
the ship as it once looked. Uh, is that also in your neighborhood? Yes. The Noose 2 is a, a block behind us. There are two major streets in downtown Kinston. There's Heritage and Queen, and, and they run parallel. And Heritage is the one closest to um, the water. If you if you are on the other side of Heritage and you're on the water, you will see uh, the Noose 2. And she is something to behold. It's a really neat, uh, completely rebuilt ship um, done privately and uh, still privately owned. Um, her hours that she's open, I believe, are Saturdays. Because they're privately owned, they're having volunteers to, to open the noose to. Um, so while we're independent of each other, I hope that in the future we'll be able to work together to do some neat programming. As a as a person in the museum field, I I see the news too as a great opportunity to do first person interpretation, and and I hope that um, they'll start going in that direction because it's just a really neat space to be in. Uh, in uh, in Plymouth, they have a replica of the CSS Albemarle, which is is not full size, but actually goes out and floats in the river. The the news too doesn't float, does it? No, 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 no. It's it is on dry land, um, and you kind of climb up the exterior and and climb down inside, um, and it's just it's really an impressive. Uh, an impressive boat to to go into, um, and you get a real feel for how cramped these men really were in there. Well, that that uh, the, the synergy between that and what you have the uh, the artifacts and the remains of the ship in your building uh, soon to be open. By the time folks are downloading this, maybe a week, a month, uh, even a year from now, they'll be they'll actually actually be able to go in and. Uh, see everything complete, uh, but in the meantime, they are. Uh, uh, so at that time, you'll have this, this this synergy between the the replica ship and your authentic items. It will be a spectacular thing to see in Kinston. We're going to take a short break and talk about the noose itself, the original Confederate ironclad, a, a little bit about its career and. Uh, you and I both share a learning curve on that, so we'll see if we can figure out what we know uh, about the original ship, and then talk uh, also uh, in our second and third segments about what happened to it uh, after the war and, and how it got to be where it is today. So that's ahead in just a few moments here on Civil War Talk Radio. Our guest is Sarah Risty Davis. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. We'll be back in a minute with more of Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's p-r-o-k-o-p-o-w-i-c-z-g at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Sarah Risty-Davis. She is the site manager for the CSS News Interpretive Center, Civil War Interpretive Center in Kinston, North Carolina, where one where they are currently uh, restoring and installing uh, artifacts and remains from the original ironclad. Uh, in what will be a fabulous new museum when complete. And you can go now on limited hours and see uh, what it looks like uh, when a museum is is putting an exhibit together. Uh, Sarah, in my own experience uh, at a museum and in my previous career, I found that building an exhibit from the ground up was by far the most uh, stimulating and and, uh, intellectually satisfying professional experience I ever had. And, and I really uh, envy you that you're in on the ground floor with the news. So are you finding it uh, uh, as exciting as, as, as I recall it being? Well, it's certainly, it's exciting and, and frustrating and <laughs> yes. fun. Um, I, I came into this position um, after my 
my previous uh, the site manager had passed away, uh, and so I have been catching up on all of the hard and diligent work that Guy Smith, the previous manager, mm-hmm. had set forth. And he was a wonderful person and, and did um, did a lot of great work. And and so we're really, in a lot of ways, seeing his vision through with this museum. Uh, and so I sometimes feel like I'm taking bows that I, I don't really deserve because it was his work um, that really made this museum. Uh, but for my part, it's been it's been a, a great experience, and and we have a wonderful team of uh, of folks that have really dedicated a lot of time and and love um, into this museum. So I hope the public will enjoy it uh, and and learn a little something from it. Well, start let's start learning about uh, the news itself. When I mean, everybody's heard of the the Merrimack, the CSS Virginia, uh, other there are other famous ironclads, the Tennessee, the Arkansas, Albemarle, and so on. Uh, but the news, where did it get started? Uh, was it supposed to join these others in, in some kind of campaign? What, what was the origin of this ship? So there were 22 ironclads that were constructed and commissioned by the, the Confederate government, and... Um, CSS Noose was contracted in October of 1862, and um, she was the sister ship of Albemarle, uh, and I believe it was Porter, who was the Confederacy's chief shipbuilding architect. It was his plans that Albemarle and and Noose were were built off of, and... um, the plan, of course, of the Confederacy was to um, to build all of these ironclads in record time, and uh, and she was commissioned and and started very quickly after uh, the contract was signed, uh, and local fellows uh, in Whitehall started to build her, and and she was built there and floated downstream to New- to Kinston to be outfitted. And the plan specifically for um, the Ram Noose was that she would go on to protect New Bern and now, keep you, you, New Bern open. You said uh, the Noose was built in, in Whitehall, North Carolina. That's further upstream along the Noose River from Kinston. So we're getting sort of into the middle of the state. That's not what you think of as a maritime province. Uh, it's, it's right in the middle of, uh, of, of flat land there. How, I'm just curious, who, who built, uh, how did they get shipbuilding technology and, and workers and materials to someplace so far from the ocean? They utilized local men who knew how to construct houses. Uh, because the ship was flat-bottomed, it was a pretty straightforward plan to follow. And I know it seems strange because you, you really don't think of Whitehall as being um, 
being very <laughs> uh, oriented to the water. Um, they chose the area because it could be defended, and it, there was a lot of uh, wood there to use. Uh, they were using green wood, and um, it was it was a deep uh, place part in the water to to build her. Uh, and Kinston, they chose to outfit her, presumably because they they could easily get iron into Kinston um, by way of the railroads. Where did they get the iron for a ship? I, I know with other Confederate ironclads, that was always an issue of finding iron to to armor the ship with. It was an issue here as well. Uh, the story of the noose, as she comes to Kinston, is a story of waiting. We wait for iron. Um, heat gets turned up in New Bern, and they finally decide to go ahead and move her, even though she's not finished, to try and help with New Bern. And she, she moves about a half mile down river and hits a sandbar and, and can't move any longer. So she waits there, and they finish outfitting her uh, from the sandbar. But um, waiting for iron was a, a real problem, and and from my understanding, uh, we took any iron we could get from anywhere, uh, and and made it work on this ship. So the the news. Uh, what about uh, armament? Would, did they ever install cannon on the ship? Two Brook rifles were were put on um, on the ship, uh, and so she was completely outfitted um, by by the end. Uh, and unfortunately, and, and when I and I say the end, I mean not the end of the war, but the end of her life. She um, she couldn't move off the barge, and so the Confederacy decided in, instead of uh, losing the ship to Union forces, that they would scuttle her themselves. Uh, it was after Fort Fisher had fallen and the Union forces were moving towards Goldsboro um, that the captain of the ship, Porter, received instruction to go ahead and, and destroy uh, the noose so that Union troops wouldn't take her and use them, use her against Confederate forces. So this, so the career is is not perhaps a glorious one uh, in traditional terms. The ship is constructed far inland on a, a river, safe from the the Union Navy, and then only gets as far well gets as far as Kinston, gets outfitted there, gets a little further downriver to try to drive the, the Yankees out of New Bern, North Carolina, and runs aground, and, and that's it. it how, how long was the ship aground? She, for a very long time, she <laughs> ran aground um, and sat there for months and months and months before the, the river uh, was able to, to rise and, and dislodge her. Um, and we were into 1864-65 um, 
before she was afloat again, uh, keeping in mind that her construction started around late 1862. Um, And the Confederate forces were so depleted, uh, everyone had been sent to defend Wilmington. And so um, when she was finally afloat and able to to move forward and, and be a wartime vessel. Um, unfortunately, there there weren't a lot of men to, to be there to, to run her. Um, and so when the Union forces um, started in on Kinston um, early March of, of 1865, um, that's when she actually saw a battle and participated in war, and it was the same time that her own crew scuttled her. So, so the the cannon got to fire a few rounds at the uh, approaching troops from Sherman's army, and then uh, and then they decide to destroy the vessel. How yeah. how did they? Did, now the river's not that deep. If you just sink the ship, it's not going to go very far. Did they try to blow it up or anything? Yes, they they. Um, they blew her up. Uh, her magazine exploded. There was a large explosion on on the port side. Um, so they used her own um, firing power on her. the The vessel didn't sink, and um, the Union troops did come aboard her and strip her of a lot of of her metal and um, and guns and things. So. So at the end of the war, she's just sitting there as a, a, a derelict vessel with with useful things, the cannon and so on, removed. Um, what happens to her after the war? In 1865, I believe, uh, the United States Treasury Department auctioned the remains um, to a New York company. And they salvaged the machinery and armor plating and, and guns of the ironclad. Uh, and after they were done with her, uh, the ship started to slowly sink and take on sand and water. And she was um, in, the bend, in a bend in the river. And, of course, everyone knew where she was um, you could see her when when tide was low. You could see uh, the back end of the ship. Um, and in the early 60s, a group of local men decided that they wanted to bring her up and, and see what kind of fortunes she had. And so it was, it was uh, you know, about 100 years after the war when, when these local Kinstonians started to dig her out, and they anticipated that she was about 50 feet long. And in reality, she's over 150 feet. So it was uh, a fun story to to tell now, but for those guys, I'm sure they weren't having a great time digging her out in the beginning. So it's a much bigger project than they imagined. So for a hundred years, the wreck sits there in the river, and you say everybody local knows about it. There are stories about it, uh, but nobody takes any action 
in terms of archaeological uh, excavation or preservation. It just sits there in the river until, uh, say, some folks just decide to dig it out to see what they can find. Were they thinking they would make money off of it? Why, why did people finally decide to pull it up? Yes. Yeah, they they were planning on making money, absolutely. Uh, there was no true archaeological work done on this ship. Local boys would go dig up brook shells and um, find little trinkets, and, and it was a lot of fun for locals. But these three gentlemen, um, and really the town of Kinston got behind them and, and they started to, to pull her up um, as a curiosity and also because they they thought that they would make a lot of money selling this ironclad. Were they actually going to sell the ship or was it going to be a tourist attraction? I, I'm, I'm just trying to get in their mind. I wonder what they thought they would do. I guess they had centennial fever in 1963 or so that... Everybody was talking about the centennial of the Civil War, but but uh, exactly how they planned to make money, I, I, I find baffling. Uh, I, I know, I, and I don't know that I can give a true and accurate answer. I've heard a lot of different um, reasons behind or ideas about how they thought that they would make money. Um, I've heard that some of them were under the impression that the Confederate gold was on board. Uh. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is. It's a fun story. I don't know if they really believed it. Uh, interestingly, in the recovery pictures, and, and our museum has been collecting uh, these pictures of, of locals who were there, they were selling tickets and guided tours. You can see on the banks of the noose, uh, for a dollar you could get a, a guided tour of the ship. And um, unfortunately, when they when they did start to bring her up, uh, she had all of her interior rooms and the original deck was there. And so uh, people were all over the ship. Um, and in terms of tours, they, they could take tours into the different rooms. Um, but, but we lost the deck in those rooms as the, the boat came up. Just from, from the, the destruction of, of tugging it up from the mud or from exposure to air after they'd been submerged or, or just all those things? Yeah, I, I, all of those things and also... We've got pictures of of them burning wood for heat. Oh. <laughs> um, it, you know, archaeology was not. They weren't thinking about that. They. It was just an interesting old boat that these local guys were pulling up and learning about, and no one was overseeing and and saying, please don't pull down interior walls. Um, so, it, it, you know, you you hate that it happened, at least I do, um, but it is what it is. 
Well, we're going to take another short break. And uh, Sarah, I think all our listeners hate uh, the way it happened. And uh, listeners, if if that chilled your preservationist blood, uh, wait till you hear the next 50 years. We'll talk about that when we come back in just another minute or two with Sarah Risty Davis of the CSS News Interpretive Site. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's p-r-o-k-o-p-o-w-i-c-z-g at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. 
talking with Sarah Risty-Davis, site manager of the CSS News Civil War Interpretive Site in Kinston, North Carolina, in the eastern part of the state, uh, where they are now preserving the remains of a Confederate ironclad built uh, in the middle of the state, floated down the river toward Kinston with the goal of reaching New Bern, but it went aground, was destroyed by the Confederate crew in 1865, and as we heard in the last segment, uh, lay there till 1963 when uh, locals began uh, a, a uh, an amateur salvage effort uh, without any uh, archaeological training or indeed interest in the principles of preservation. They thought they could just pull this boat up off the bottom and have a uh, a cash cow of some sort, a tourist attraction, uh, uh, something worth seeing. Uh, Sarah, what what uh, what happened to the noose once it it's... Uh, skeleton or what was left of it was was brought up where did the uh where did the folks of kinston put that ship in 1963 or 4 or whenever it was in the late 60s it might have even been 69 before the ship was moved uh up to vernon avenue in kinston um and and given a home uh and a shelter a very open shelter uh, on the banks of the Noose, and it uh, became a state historic site and um, had a visitor center and and real interpretation. Uh, she was safe in that she was out of the water, um, but unfortunately the the shelter was not totally keeping her away from the elements. Uh, and... I believe it was Hurricane Fran in 96 that came in and and Mm -hmm. destroyed that visitor center, uh, causing a lot of damage to the ship. Um, And and at that point, uh, she was moved to higher ground, again, at the same location, the same property, uh, but just closer to the street away from the water. And she sat there from 1998 until a year ago in another shelter, um, again, just keeping rain off the top. It was open on all sides, and and so she suffered a lot of um, wind erosion um, more than anything else. Uh, But this is the first time she's ever been indoors and. She seems to be doing very well there. Hopefully this will be her last and forever home. Well, we certainly hope so. What I'd, I'm almost afraid to ask, how much is left of the original ship that you now have in your, uh, in your environmentally controlled uh, proper shelter for her? Well, you know, it's, it's the hull of the ship, and um, she is, now 141 feet long. Um, she was about 158 feet originally, and she's about 38 wide, um, and and she was about 34 wide then. So, um, you know, she's 
she's intact. Uh, we haven't lost a big section of her, um, but she's had she's had a t- tough go of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so what you have are the the timbers that make up the hull, the 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 shell of the ship, but not the interior. No, we we don't have unfortunately any of the interior. We just have the hull of the ship. Uh, as she is now in in the new museum, uh, ghosting has been placed on top of her, which is an idea that we borrowed um, from uh, the site in Georgia, uh, who holds the Jackson. Um, Oh, golly, and their name has just flown out of my head. But um, they have ghosting on their ship, and it gives the appearance of the entire vessel. So you uh, can see what she would have looked like, how imposing she would have been. A lot of visitors have a hard time imagining what she would have looked like complete. And so the ghosting helps um, for our interpretation. Do you have also other artifacts from the original ship? Yes. Uh, we have a very large collection of um, of predominantly metal artifacts, and um, ECU has been so wonderful and accommodating in uh, working to restore a lot of these artifacts um, and actually keeping an eye on the ship herself. There's been a lot of wonderful work from professors and students there, so I, I thank ECU very much for their support. But we, we do have a, a large um, collection of original artifacts, a lot of brook shells, um, pots and pans in the original stove, um, just neat artifacts, uh, day-to-day life for these, these guys. Um, the majority of the artifacts will be on display uh, with the permanent exhibits. Um, and and what we didn't have, we purchased to sort of flesh out the, the story. So uniforms and weaponry and, and flags and those sorts of things will be in the museum to help tell the full story of uh, the war in Kinston. Yeah, I was reading a, a prospectus of a, a student's thesis, a uh, master's thesis, uh, who w- was thinking about writing about uh, the, the news. And one of the things that she suggested, and I, I don't know how accurate this is, so I'll just throw it out, was that according to local lore, there was a rumor uh, back when it was first being pulled up in the 1960s that uh, the artifacts would be of some value. Anything you found on the ship, somebody would pay for, the state or the federal government or or somebody out there had money to buy artifacts found on the ship. So people were going to old farmhouses and finding old-looking things and throwing them into the river onto the ship so that they could then claim them back off the ship and say, look, I found an artifact. Um, And as a result, some of the the things that are... that have been found on the site are clearly uh, 50 or 100 years out of date, but it, it, it's hard to tell initially. Have you heard anything to that story? Yes. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've heard the rumor as well. I, it's like the Confederate gold. I don't know 
how founded it is uh, or if this is just a, a bit of local legend. We have in our collection, in the artifacts, we do have um, some much later metal artifacts um, that have been identified and, and culled out. Uh, and although they're a part of our collection, obviously they won't be used to interpret uh, the, the Civil War. I, and I don't know if, if they were there because they were thrown on the wreck or if it was just debris in the water that traveled and settled. Um, I don't know. But mm. but luckily for us, we have an incredibly skilled blacksmith on staff, and uh, David Stone is his name, and he's been very wonderful about going through thousands of objects and, and using his best judgment as to whether or not they were 1860s or 1960s. Well, it is, uh, it's a fascinating project to see all those artifacts come up. And I've, I have seen, as you mentioned, uh, some of our public history classes here have participated uh, in their practicum courses in working with your institution and helping to uh, conserve some of the artifacts and the students uh, uh, certainly got a uh, a great thrill out of having such a hands-on opportunity to learn what what we do in museums so that was uh, a good uh, mutually beneficial to all the uh, the moving of the ship last uh, last summer when it was actually brought from the old shelter site to where it is now uh, got a lot of attention uh, in the local media so uh, hopefully there will be a lot of attention when the the official opening, uh, you know, permanent opening can take place. When do you foresee that happening? I am hopeful that we will have a grand opening mid-2014. Um, this has been a slow but steady process. At the moment, um, our craftsmen are building an interactive casemate exhibit um, that will be located on the first floor. Uh, the casemate, of course, was the top part of the ship um, that held the guns, and it was where the, the crew um, went about shooting and, and, and about the business of war. And so we'll have an interactive uh, casemate where people can um, work the gun and see how um, that aspect of, of the ship's life was. But... Um, the actual casework that will hold uh, displays and artifacts that uh, will be beginning very shortly. And so there's going to be a lot of commotion at the museum, which um, will be fun and hopefully interesting for the public to come out and, and see and check in with us if, if they're local and so inclined. Um, check in with us month by month because we're changing and growing very rapidly at this point. So do you have any, do you have regular hours when people can see what you're working on or does that change? Is there a website we should look at to find out what's going on? We do have regular hours. We're uh, Tuesday to Saturday, 9 to 5, and um, please come. Uh, I anticipate as we get closer to finishing um, the museum will have to alter those hours because uh, the area where visitors will be 
uh, allowed to go will have to be uh, changed. So, but for the foreseeable future, uh, we're Tuesday through Saturday, and we do have a website. If you uh, Google CSS News, we we pop right up. It's a it's a website that's uh, owned and operated by the state of North Carolina, and we're also, of course, on Facebook. Um, so please like us and be our friend, and and you'll get all the up-to-date information about where we are and what's happening in the museum. Well, thank you very much for telling us about that and for uh, sharing this fascinating story of the CSS News and where it is today. Uh, I look forward to going uh, to see it, and uh, hopefully you can give me a tour in the near future. And uh, thank you for being on the show tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me, and and I look forward to showing you around the museum. And and everyone else, please come and visit us. And come and visit, and as always, listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.